Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. everyone. How is it going? I'm not going to lie. I'm having a tough time right now. I had a confrontation, which has been a long lead up um, for several years in a relationship that's very dear to me. And I had some things to get off my chest and it was so hard to talk to this person about these things. And I did, and it did not go well, unfortunately. So I'm pretty heartbroken, to be honest with you. I'm proud of myself for being brave because it was a really hard thing to bring up. And all of you who are in need of bringing up tough subjects, uh, I just encourage you not to delay because even if the truth isn't what you want to hear, the truth can bring beautiful clarity. And so uh, I say this as much to myself as to you, but uh, just have that conversation and just say say the truth with love. So <laughs> uh, let's move on to today's episode. Have you ever heard of Taylor Schroll? He is the host of the Forte Catholic Podcast, and we're going to be talking about when God asks you to do things that you don't want to do. And in particular, we're going to be talking about those kind of looming things that you don't even want to discern. You just don't even want to think about it. For example, when a parish priest comes up to a young man who's a regular mass goer and says, I think you might have a vocation to the priesthood. And all the old church ladies say, I think you might have a vocation to the priesthood. And the young man is like, look, I love my faith, but I don't want to be a priest. And uh, so those mo- those things that maybe you think you might be called to, but you don't really even want to consider them or explore them. So Taylor goes into his story, and it's fascinating. We have a lot of fun. He does banter very well, this guy. He's really hilarious. So you're going to get a lot of laughs out of this episode, and you're also going to get a fantastic practical tool to discern what you really want. And I love um, I love this. I'd never heard this one before. So you can put this in your little toolbox as you discern. And at the end, I'm going to do a little Ave Verum Corpus sung uh, chant reflection. So please stay for that. And uh, as you, as always, please leave a review on iTunes, pass this episode along to a friend. If this resonates with you and you think somebody else might benefit from it, I just want this show to reach the people who need to hear it. So without further ado, this is the droll Taylor Schroll. Taylor, thank you so much for being with me on Called and Caffeinated. Hey, it's good to be here, Stacey. It's nice to talk to you again. You too. And I realized that I was having the make Catholicism fun again guy on my podcast recording on Good Friday. So I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, usually on usually on today, I just go hide in a bunker somewhere. <laughs> well, but, I, want, uh, I actually want to ask you about that because I, today's Good Friday and I'm like, hmm, Jesus on a cross, not not super fun. What inspired make Catholicism fun again? And when was it fun? So yeah, when was it fun? It was fun on Easter morning. Let's 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 do that first, real quick. Um, what really inspired it was it's essentially a play on the joy of the gospel. So Pope Francis's first uh, encyclical—it wasn't an encyclical. His first thing that he wrote, he kind of co-wrote it with Pope Benedict because you know the whole thing where the previous pope you know quit or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, they they wrote that. I mean, it's cool. Like we've never really had, to my knowledge, like popes co-write something. And that was really Mm. sweet. 
Um, so yeah, this whole, the whole joy of the gospel and like one of the biggest lines in there is like most people live their lives like it's Lent without Easter. Mm. So I think the whole, like the connection to today is like, I think most Catholics get good Friday and I think we live good Friday a lot more mm. than we probably should. Um, and like the, the, be- the beautiful thing about being Catholic, about being Christian is that like good Friday happened and so did Easter. Like, mm. you know, one couldn't happen with like Easter couldn't happen without today. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like today means nothing without Sunday. So like that's right. that's the whole idea is like, look, we need to remember, yes, we are broken. We are sinners. That's what today's for. But hey, we have, we have a savior who already defeated all that. So why are we walk around like mm-hmm. defeated all the time? Okay. You've convinced me. We are now going to make this podcast episode fun, despite that it is good, despite the fact that it was good Friday. Cause I was going to make a rule that there's n- not going to be any banter. This is a very serious, <laughs> very content-driven <laughs> show, Taylor. Can I call you Tay-Tay? Um, that's what most people <laughs> called me growing up, really? honestly. So no, actually, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, I'm going to make you millions of bucks with my business idea for you. But oh, I'm not I've, gonna, yeah. I've I, heard I, about this, and I'm, yeah. I'm really interested because like, you, you, you hyped it up, and then I got excited about it. You were like, never mind. Don't be hyped up. It's not that good. So I'm really interested to hear what this is. It's, it's actually brilliant, but I'm a little afraid that you're going to be mad at me if I, when I tell you. So I'm not going to tell you until the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you may not do the episode. You might hang up on me. After all the hype. I'm not sure. I might do that anyway, so you might as well do, do whatever true. you think is best. That's true. We only have whatever couple half an hour at the most at this point. So, um, cool. So let's get into the show. What calls Taylor have you received from God in your lifetime so far? And what have those calls looked and felt like? He mostly texts me like Mm. that's how God communicates with me. Uh, so not many, yeah, not many calls. Um, he knows that I'm a millennial (laughs) and he's like, nobody answers their phone anymore. Like one time he left me a voicemail and I had to scold him a little bit. Mm. Uh, And I was like, dude, just text me. It's fine. Um, yeah. So like I've had this call into youth ministry. I've been working in youth ministry for quite some time now. And a lot of that call for me is in response to like, uh, both the good and bad of what I experienced as a, as a young person. Uh, like I had, I had great youth ministry experiences, like girl going through high school, but I also had some like really boring and tough experiences like in junior high and like in CCE as a kid, like I just did not like it. Uh, I was bored out of my mind. So like part of why I went into it was like, look, on one hand, it's like, I'm so thankful for the people that poured their, their life, their faith, their time into me. And then at the other time, at the other side, I'm like, I don't, I don't want people to experience the people that bore people out of their minds. <laughs> you know, like the, the whole CCD thing is like, you know, Catholic Christian detention, you know, like we need to stop <laughs> making it so boring, which is like where this whole make a thousand fun again thing comes from. Cause like I was so bored uh, with Catholicism as a kid until I realized like, Hey, we can be Catholic and have fun. And like mm-hmm. all of this actually means something. So like, that's one of the biggest calls in, in my life is, is to work in youth ministry. Like I do now. Um, most of my calls, like my, I'm, I'm not very holy, but my mom's super holy. So most of the time, like he calls her 
And then she just tells me what he said. Like, that's how I <laughs> took college. And I was in adoration asking God, like, hey, where should I go to college? And while I'm in adoration, in the presence of the Lord and Savior of the world, my mom calls me and I walk outside and she's like, God just told me this. I'm like, why didn't he tell oh me? I was gosh. just with him. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you bring that up, actually, because a lot of times we kind of expect to hear this voice in our head. And this is, I'm writing a book on discernment. And so many people have told me that they never hear a voice in their head or they don't receive an answer in prayer. It's through other people through other circumstances of their lives, through God just arranging things in such a way that it just happens, you know, or or a million other creative ways that God can get in touch with you. For you, your mother. And that's cool. Did you listen to her when she when she told you where to oh, go? Oh yeah, to that's that's where I went to uh, that's where I went to undergrad. <laughs> See, and that's probably why God told you through your mom because he knew you were going to listen. Yeah, and he he's 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 uh he's kind of like the silent and loving type to me. Mm, strong silent type. yeah so uh uh after that so how did you how did you find your wife um my mom told me i'm just kidding that's not (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ironically enough though it was at that university where i met her and like like typical uh typical for the two of us i was in the back of the classroom we were in the class together i was in the back of the classroom um sitting next to my ex like my ex-girlfriend which was strange um, and we're just in the back causing trouble. Like we're just the, you know, the, the troublemakers, the kid that's, that never shuts up. Like that's me. My mm-hmm. wife uh, is like, so like, here's what I saw. And then I'll tell you how she kind of changes the story. She's like the front row kid, like super cares about school. Mm. Or at least that's what I thought. And then she tells me later that she sat on the front row and slept the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> New but perspective. The, yeah, exactly. We actually met because I, like yourself, I, I sing and I sang in church mm-hmm. and she came to mass, totally providential. She's, she was a bad Catholic and she skipped mass like all morning Saturday or Sunday morning. So she came to the 8 p.m. mass at college where, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> at, at the university where, uh, you know, that's where all the college kids went because their, you know, their hangover was just ending and that sort of thing. So <laughs> um, I was singing and she started crying and she had no idea why. And I was like, that's, that, that can mean one or two things. Either I was singing very well or very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> she's never, she's never uh, specified which, but uh, <laughs> she started crying and didn't know why. And she introduced herself to me. And, uh, and then I married her the next day. I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that five months after meeting my husband was quick to get engaged, but you, wow. You really, no, we were, we that. were like two and a half years. Cause like right after we started dating, she moved to Florida to discern religious life. I was like, that's mm. fantastic. Mm. Uh, it wasn't a good sign for us, but now we're now, now it all worked out. We're, we were long distance for two years and now, uh, we're not long distance and we have three kids and it's fantastic it worked out for me. it worked out now how did her religious discernment go i you know asking it third hand is obviously a different thing but to be dating someone and then they move away and this is actually something that i've heard a lot of people deal with um usually it's the guy discerning the priesthood but sometimes it's also the girl discerning religious life and she breaks up with somebody how or doesn't break up with you how did that go well, what she did is she went on this reality television show to discover. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, that's how I know your wife. We <laughs> <laughs> were on the show together. <laughs> no, uh, what, what was interesting is like she planned to go to this university to do this. Just like it wasn't like 
joining the convent, but it was like mm-hmm. this like discernment for young women in college. And she moved over there and then they closed the program. So she was like, all right, I guess I'll just stay with this guy. <laughs> That's hilarious. Was it um, Ave Maria? You know? Yeah, it was. Okay. Gotcha. I considered going there. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's got a good school, but I didn't know that they have, do they have re- like a religious discernment program? Um, is it sort of like Preethi at Franciscan? Well, I don't know if you're listening, but they closed it. <laughs> well, but what was it before they closed it? Is my- yeah, it was some kind of like, yeah, like they, it the sisters would meet with young women and they'd pray together. They'd help them discern while they were going uh-huh. to school. Uh, yeah. And, and then they like, moved back to whatever country they came from like italy i think I'm just like okay bye ladies have fun and i think all of those women got married <laughs> it's like i guess that's how god speaks sometimes he takes away your people and takes them to italy mm-hmm. and uh, maybe your mom called and told the nuns to leave most likely that's most, most likely, likely what happened that's fascinating to me so okay here's there's no like hard and fast rule on this but some people think you can discern multiple vocations at once. Like you could be dating somebody and also discerning priesthood or religious life. Some people say, nope, you got to break up with the guy or the girl in order to do that properly. What's your view on that? So I think it depends on where you are in the process. I think if you're early in the process, I'm big on doing something uh, like yes. uh, within discernment. Cause I, I went to, I went to Franciscan for a year for grad school and then I dropped out. So I'm a college dropout. That's fantastic. Uh, grad school dropout is fine. Everything's grad fine. school dropout. <laughs> uh, that's but, uh, I got married and had a kid, and I was like, "Yeah, I need to go to work now." Yeah, so, life. You get back to it. Yeah, Maybe probably, not. probably not. <laughs> Maybe when they go to college. I left, and I was like, "Wow, I really like not being in school. This is fantastic." Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Why did I bring that up? Oh yeah, yeah. So, like the the patron saint of of Franciscan students is Our Lady of Perpetual Discernment. Like they're just they <gasps> everybody's waiting for some for God to just come in and be like, "Hello, you should be a nun." And like that, that's not that doesn't happen. That happens like three times in the scriptures, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. dude, like. This isn't how God, like the, the, the times that are crazy, like there are sometimes in the scriptures where God speaks and only Jesus hears it. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, right. True. Do you know but, what's funny is this, the synchronicity thing. So this is another way that God has spoken in my life as I found is there when you hear other people say the same things, I literally, when I give a talk on discernment, I literally do the exact voice that you just did of the imaginary voice that we're supposed to hear in our head of God giving us our vocation and explaining that that's not usually how it happens. So that's really funny that you just did the God voice. I want to hear you do like a deep male version of God's voice or or do you do it as a female voice? Like, I don't know. Well, I I can only do it as a female voice, but it's as, (laughs) it's as male as I can, can make it. And I imagine like God's hand coming down with like the word written on like stone tablets, like none or like, wife and mother you know like giving you kind of this very official declaration and that's kind of what i was waiting for when i was discerning too so that that's a side note but um but yeah so so back to your back to your story you were talking about um going to yeah. grad school mm-hmm. yeah so waiting for god yep like the biggest image that i ever got when i when i when i was discerning was like somebody told me like you're, you're just waiting for an answer mm. and it's like and it, i don't know if you've, you've probably heard this because you do discernments you know discernment is one of your biggest focuses mm-hmm. it's like you know it's like me being in a car locked with the keys not in the ignition and the emergency break up and you're like god lead me 
And he's like, hey, dummy, put the keys in the, in the ignition, take the emergency brake off, start driving. It's a lot easier to guide a moving car mm -hmm. than one that doesn't have the keys in it and has the e-brake has the e on. Yep. And like, that's, that's like the biggest thing for me within discernment and like working with young people and working like, I work with like people in their young twenties, like at work who are these young youth ministers that are looking for what God wants for them, like in their permanent vocation, you know, marriage mm -hmm. or, uh, or religious life or whatever. And it's like, you have to start doing something because right. like, yeah, I, like that's the biggest thing for me. So I am one of the people that's like, it's fine to like if you think like priesthood or religious life is in your future, it's fine to date. It's not like you're cheating on God. But mm -hmm. when you get to a certain point in that, it's like if you enter seminary or if you go to like join the nunnery, it's like you should probably stop dating. I think that's against the rules. <laughs> mm, yeah. Interesting. I so I didn't have a hard and fast rule on that until you until you said that just now. And now I'm starting to think a little bit. I agree. I totally agree with you about about um, mo the moving car. But I'd still wonder about the emotions involved, because I know when I was dating, this is this is probably, well, I am still dating. I'm dating my husband. But when I was dating, um, you know, before I, before I got married, I, I would get kind of wrapped up in the relationship. And I know that that's not a good thing, but it was just what happened, you know, and, and I didn't even realize that it wasn't a good thing to be so wrapped up. So I don't know that I personally could give my, my focus to discernment if I was still just like emotionally involved with this person, because, you know, they're, they're, they're right there. They're a real concrete person versus God is in adoration and he's in the Eucharist. He's, he's veiled and hidden. And to hear his voice speaking, I mean, you should be hearing his voice speaking when you're, when you're dating because you should be praying, but still it kind of, um, it seems to me, like for me personally, it seems like it could cloud it. So it might almost be better to break up at least. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a fully formed opinion on this. We're kind of freewheeling here, but it seems like you have to know yourself a little bit and, and know if, you know, ask yourself the question, am I really hearing God's voice? Um, if he is calling me to be, you know, to be a priest or none, especially if you don't want to be a priest or a nun, are you using your boyfriend or girlfriend to run away from that? Right. Yeah. So I, there is some individualism in it. I'm just like, my opinion is because I think people get stuck in the middle too often. It's yeah. like, just you know, like make a decision, go with it for a while. And then like, if you don't feel the peace in the decision, or if you're like, you know, it's stressing out or it's making it difficult. Okay. Then, then change it. Then, mm -hmm. you know, break up with your boyfriend or whatever, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. there is like, even in discernment, like it's not just a, you know, like there's discernment to make that decision. Should mm -hmm. I, should I keep dating? Should I not? But there's also discernment after you make that decision. Yes. You know, should I totally. continue doing this? Should I have done this in the first place? You know, like there's still discernment um, each and every day and every moment. Yeah. And, and I always encourage kind of similar to, to dating, like where you, you move the car, you know, you start the car and you go, uh, you can do that in terms of dating somebody, but you can also do it in terms of visiting a convent or a seminary and just seeing, just trying on the life, seeing what it's like, because when I went to visit my first convent, this was before the TV show aired. And I always want to make that qualification because people are like, how could you possibly discern with cameras all around? And that's a fair question. But I did, I did discern before the, before and after the TV show aired. So off camera, I went to see the little sisters of the poor three times and going to the convent and getting that experience was so eye opening. You cannot, you, you cannot know what it's going to be like until you're actually there with the elderly serving them you're praying the liturgy of the hours, you're seeing how the sisters live. And uh, on paper, it would never have made me feel 
excited or like maybe this is something I'm called to. But when I actually, you know, started the ignition and got in touch with the, uh, the vocations director I went to visit, that's when I started to realize, holy cow, I actually really love this. And there's something here, even if I'm not called to this order or to even to this, this vocation, there's something here that is calling to me. So um, in praise of taking action, I love that. But you also mentioned that you had uh, a lot of resistance to your own discernment of the priesthood. So let's talk about that. <laughs> I have always been attracted to the female species of the humans. <laughs> and so, like I was one of those typical like, you know, I was the kid that was, was pretty active like in youth groups. So every old lady was like, you're going to be a great priest. And I'm like, <laughs> leave me alone. Like, I don't want to do that. It seems boring and lonely. And yeah, cool. You get some magical powers, like turning bread into God. But like, I want to be with a lady. And mm -hmm. and so like, I was, I resisted it the whole time. I think probably more so because people kept telling me that I was going to do it. And I always wanted to prove people mm -hmm. wrong. So like, that was part of it for me. But like, when I went to college, I, I was one of those rare people. Like, I think my holiest time ever was in college. I was much older in college than I am now. Like, I, I, now I have, you know, kids running over me every time I'm trying to pray. And in college, it was like, I have free time and I'm going to go do a holy hour. And mm. like that, you know, when's the last time I did that? You know, like, <laughs> thanks, is real. Yeah. So I, like, I, I'm with you. I have two small yeah. <laughs> ones. It's so hard to find prayer time. But you know what? Holiness through your work that God has given you of your vocation rather than these long uninterrupted hours of prayer, but I'm, I'm interrupting you. Well, just like you're just like one of my children. That's never, that's never been said to you on this podcast. Has it? Not yet. There's always a first. <laughs> so yeah. So like I was super, super resistant to it. And for a year for all, like almost to the date, it was August to August. It was uh, like my sophomore year, no, my freshman year in college. I was like, God, like, I don't want to be a priest. Everybody keeps telling me that I need, like, but to do good discernment, I need to be open to everything. I need to be open to being married. I need to be open to being a priest. I need to be open to, like, whatever God wants for me. And I, I wasn't. And I was pretty honest with him in that. And, like, I, there was times where I was, I was doing a holy hour almost every day for, like, this year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, I'm not open to this. I started meeting, like, at the beginning of the year, started meeting with like essentially like priest recruiters for religious orders and like for the diocese. And like, it just felt so pushy and it actually turned me off to it even more. Mm. And I was like, you're not helping me discern. You're just like doing a sales pitch. And I don't like, like that's not helping me. You're trying to help mm. you. Mm -hmm. And so like, I didn't, I didn't like that. And so I quit doing that for a while and just praying about it. And then finally a religious order, um, that I actually did a lot of ministry with, like they, they would put on retreats and do youth group stuff. And I would go lead worship and speak for, for their retreats and for their masses and all these sorts of things. Uh, I started going once a month with them, praying with them, eating dinner with them, doing liturgy of the hours with them. And just kind of like they would, they were, they genuinely cared about me and wanted to help me discern. It's like, yeah, they were excited that there was the prospect of me joining that religious order. But at the same time, they're like, if that's not what God wants, like, we don't want you here. Like, that's mm -hmm. not, you know, like, and, and like, that's a perfectly fine thing. So super against it. And then finally, at the end of that year, it's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm, I'm doing this holy hour and I'm fine. I just, I just kneel down. I'm like, God, I'm by myself at two o'clock in the morning at this church. Fine. Whatever you want, 
You win. Mm. Like I give up. If you want me to be a priest, fine. I'll be a priest. And then I like, you know, put you know, put my hands across my chest and I'm like, huh, me no God. <laughs> and uh, like legit, like this is crazy. And this never happens for any, anybody. But two weeks later, I met the woman who's now my wife. Like mm-hmm. for me in particular, he was like, look, dude, all I wanted you to do is be open to what I wanted. And now I'll give you what you want. Okay, fine. And now I'm happily married. Yay. Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff in there. I think the, the idea of being angry with God, not, not in like an, I hate you kind of way, but like an, I'm frustrated right now. And I need you to tell me something. That's actually something that I think a lot of us are really afraid to do. And so we, we would rather let the, at least me for many months would rather let sort of just the anxiety simmer and not really face the fact that like, I, I don't really want this. I, you know, that, that honesty of, of, of being able to kind of really be honest with God about our feelings and our, and our thoughts surrounding an issue. I think that's something that anyone who's discerning, it's really important to actually tune into yourself and say, okay, what does this really mean for me? Because you can only discern when you have that place of honesty. And oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the surrender piece of it too. This is, I, I can't tell you how much I relate to it in my, in my, um, you know, I cry a pretty decent amount. You were commenting on how, how I was crying on my Instagram story <laughs> last week. <laughs> Just not like, a, well, I don't usually cry on Instagram, but you know, tears are my, my preferred form of expressing my emotions for better or worse, like your wife, I suppose. And, uh, and so I would, I, I would do a lot of ugly cries and I, and I really had a lot of struggle with this surrender um, so what was it that tipped the, the balance? Was it just the frustration? Was it just the acknowledgement that like, I can't, I don't know my life plan. I don't know myself. What, I don't know what, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know, you know, my, what even my own dreams are. Was it the confusion that got you to surrender? I think it was just, yeah. Like he just beat me down over time. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I think the big thing was like, I knew intellectually that it was the right thing to do. Um, and and like, even when I didn't feel like, even when I said, fine, if whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Like I meant that decision, but I didn't feel it. And, Mm. and like, I, like there was one of those things for me where I was like, I know this is what I have to do. I do not want to do it, but because I know it's the right thing to do, I need to do it. So I just made that decision to do it. And I, I think one of the big things for like, when it comes to discernment for me and like, even in this situation, was like a, a thing that my mom taught me about like purchasing things, you know, like even as a kid when I didn't have a ton of money, I mean, like who, who am I kidding? I'm a missionary and I have three kids now. Like I'm not made of money, but like if I'm going to make a, a purchase, it's dumb to make a, a large purchase. Just like, you know, you see it in the window and then you go in and buy it. Like, unless you're a millionaire and I'm not even close. Right. But like, for, she not talks, de- well, you will be after my business idea, but oh, of course, of course. Right, so right. this will, this will have to edit all this out once I become a millionaire because right. then it will be applicable. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll edit. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be dripping in cash. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but like she, she always taught me, she's like, okay, if you want this thing, like if you feel emotionally that you want this thing, like write it down one day. If you want it the next day, 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 okay, maybe you don't want it the next day, but like the next six days you want it. Th- mm-hmm. Then at that point, go get it. Like it's going to make you happy. It's something that you want. Go make that purchase. But if like mm-hmm. on Monday, I want to buy a computer and Tuesday, I want to buy AirPods and Wednesday, I want to buy a new flashlight and Thursday, I want to buy a new phone. It's like, that's not a good place to make a purchase because yeah. it's not something that you desire over the course of a long time. 
And it's like, so, so for me with my, with my discernment, it's like, I, I didn't want it all the time. I knew it was the right thing. But like, e- even when I started dating Sam, my, my now wife, it's like, you know, like in dating, in marriage, like you're not going to feel it every day. But if like, if I wanted to be with her Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then something happened, either I was in a bad mood or she said something and like, I was frustrated with her on a Sunday, but then I, but then I was happy again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like if the majority of the time it's a good thing, like then, then you do have to make the choice to stick with that decision on the days that you don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, okay. Um, I have, I have thoughts on this, but I want to ask you, what do you think that God wants you to have the things that you want? Or do you think like, this is a general question in terms of your vocation. Do you think God wants us to have the things that we want, the vocation we want, or do you think that he wants us to have the vocation that he wants? I think, I think he wants what is best for us. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of a, it's kind of the middle of the road answer. It's like, yeah, like ultimately he has the perfect plan for us. He knows what would be best for us. But at the same time, he does work with our desires. Like we still mm-hmm. have free will. And like the biggest thing that that helps me in discernment and kind of like unlocked this stress that's around discernment of big things mm-hmm. is like, uh, is a couple of scriptures where he says like, God makes all things work for the better of those who love him. So like Stacy, even if you were meant to be a nun, like you made, you know, you made that decision at the end of the show, like I'm going to be a nun. And then two days later, you're like, never mind. Like, even if you were meant to be a nun, like you made, you ultimately made the decision to be a wife and then eventually a mother. Like he's not going to continually punish you <laughs> because you made the wrong choice. Like, Mm-hmm. He's going to make all things work for, for your good. And like, it's, it's this it's similar story in Genesis with Joseph and his brothers. And they, you know, they, they don't like his, his coat, which is a strange thing to want to kill somebody for. <laughs> like they want to kill. Clothes were rare back then. <laughs> clothes were <laughs> rare. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think so. Well, think about how much, uh, how hard people had to work for. Um, I mean, clothes weren't rare. People wore them, but like they didn't have a lot of outfits. <laughs> Uh, all of Israel was a nudist colony, according to Stacy. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Rediscovering doctrine. <laughs> but so. like, so like they meant to, like they made a terrible choice. They sold him into slavery. And like, ultimately, like we, everybody knows how the story goes. Like he saves the country. He saves the family. And in Genesis 50, 20, he says like, what you meant for evil, God used for good. Like they meant, what they did was evil. And it was a terrible decision, no discernment whatsoever. And they were like, you know, they, they meant that for evil. And God even used the bad choice mm-hmm. to save a nation and to save people. Like he's still going to use whatever decision we make ultimately for our good. If we continually are, are turning to him and like trying to find the discernment answers every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that reminds me of a, a blog post that I wrote called, You Don't Have a Soulmate. Very dramatic. And my, my point in writing it was to point out that God, doesn't, um, God has not created one person for you. And if you miss that person, you've missed your vocation and therefore you've missed your entire life. Or uh, conversely, you know, if, you, if you miss your call to religious life, then you're doomed, basically. And, and I think I, I do encounter that attitude a lot of, I have to figure out the one right answer or else. And I, I do think that there's a better choice. I agree with you. There's, God does have a plan. He's created you for 
one particular thing, but at the same time, he's God. You can't put him in a box and he can work out endlessly good scenarios for you. If you're trying, you just got to really try and you got to do that, that piece that you talked about surrendering, which is the hardest. I think that's the hardest, the most necessary part of discernment myself. Yeah. And like the biggest thing that sticks out to me in what you said is that it bothers me when people say you can't put God in a box. Have you ever seen a tabernacle? They're in every church. We totally put God in a box. <laughs> By his own choice, we can, we can put him in a box, but obviously not in the bigger sense. Just like he can speak to you in so many ways. You know, I love that we're busting so many myths about discernment here because um, there is this kind of idea. Like if you were making any decision in your life, people would say, you know, go visit the college. Go uh, date that person and figure out if you're meant to marry them. But when it comes to vocational discernment, specifically of the priesthood and religious life, there's somehow we just think like, we're just going to sit here and it's just going to happen. It's just going to reveal itself. And, you know, that's, that's so often not the case or God's going to tell me in prayer. And it's like, no, that you have to open up your mind to the fact that God is going to potentially speak to you in many different ways, whether from his tabernacle box or <laughs> your mom or whatever it is. <laughs> This is all, yeah, this is all, this is all discernment gold. So, so how did meeting your wife, when did, how did you know that she was the one you mentioned kind of wanting it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then maybe not Sunday, but in general, but six out of the seven days of the week. And so you continue on this good thing. What was the moment where you were like, this is it for me? Well, I think the the thing that I find most attractive about my wife is that she's attracted to me. Like it didn't take all that much, you know, it's like, oh, there's a, there's a female person that loves me. Cool. Let's get married. You know, like, <laughs> That's funny. I, I think one of the, one of the things was because we were long distance, like I, like I hate talking on the phone. We talked about that earlier. Like I hate talking on the phone, but it's, it's all we had because she lived in Florida and I lived in Texas and like, we got to like really get to know each other through just conversations and there was no temptations to do anything else that had been a problem for me in the past. And it's like all we had was like the actual person of who we were. Like mm. we had these in-depth conversations about, about everything. And, and it was one of those things that like there wasn't a moment. It was just like over the course of time and like, you know, after two and a half years of dating her, I was like, I want to keep her forever. So I went bought a ring, you know, like it, it, it was, it was this process of like every, you know, not every day I fell more in love with her. Like I'm not a hopeless romantic, but like every, you know, a day or two every week, I fell more and more in love with her as, as we mm -hmm. kept moving forward. And like, it was, it was, it was an easy choice at that point. Cause I had two and a half years worth of reasons to marry her. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I think is so cool? This just dawned on me as you were talking about how she moved away in order to discern religious life, but it was that moving away, even though she didn't get to discern religious life in this particular program, it was the moving away that made chastity so easy for you, that made you able to get to know one another over the distance. It was like you got to know each other in the way that God wanted you to uh, through, through conversation over this period of time, which I think is, that's kind of incredible. It's, it's, um, and it's another, this is another one of those moments where I kind of those universals about discernment just come out. Um, for, uh, for me, my, my husband uh, was pursuing God. He was pursuing uh, religious life and then he wasn't sure what he was supposed to do, but it was through pursuing God, just, just loving God and, and serving 
uh, serving his grandmother in a way that, that she needed. She was sick and his grandpa had passed away and he ended up caring for her for a year and a half. And it was as a result of him pursuing holiness and, and, and serving her that he was close enough within the search range, the search radius of this dating website that we were able to connect. Because if he had been in his hometown, he would have been too far away for me to find him. Isn't that cool? How God sometimes works in those ways that you just like can't even, again, can't put God in a box, Taylor. I maintain, I stick with, <laughs> I stick with what I said before. But it was, I, I just think it's so cool that your wife moving away actually gave you guys the ability to form this relationship over the distance. Yeah. Uh, so apparently from the... From both of our stories, our relationship advice today from from our united front of called mm-hmm. and caffeinated <laughs> is if you want to date someone, you need to move away. If you like <laughs> someone that like in my case, like, hey, I like someone they're in this town. I need to move 2000 miles away. <laughs> or if you don't have someone that you are currently dating, move far away and then get on a dating site. Like those are the only two ways that you can get uh, get married these days. That, that's a really good, yeah, I think you've said it. I'm just going to tweak it slightly, just slightly, to say that if you pursue God and you pursue holiness, you will find your vocation, even if it's not the one you initially thought. That's just a slight, slight edit. That'll work yeah. too. I, I'm, I'm fine with conceding that. Yeah, mostly what you said, though. I'm, gen- I'm big enough <laughs> to admit when I'm mostly wrong, you know, just a small, <laughs> small point. Yeah, t- uh, Taylor, okay, are you ready for your... Or well, first of all, is there anything you you want to share about discerning discerning your vocation? No, I did it. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> you want to hear the business idea? Oh, I'm I'm so ready. You have no idea. Okay, okay. I'm gonna take a deep breath. Here's my business pitch to you. Okay. All right. So you, if ministry doesn't work out, and I'm not saying that it's not working out, it's working out great. It, so, so he, wait, 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 before I'm not you even keep you going, you mm-hmm. just, you, you just came on my show, which is a big uh, part of my ministry. And I just sent you a video of me speaking in public. And now you're like, yeah, ministry is probably not for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to take it that way. I knew it. Uh, Taylor, we got to retrain the negative thoughts. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, so if here's what I'm saying, ministry is going great for you. You are so successful. You are such a special snowflake. That's your lying voice again. (laughs) (laughs) But if you decide that you no longer want to be a minister, there, there, I'm empowering you. If you decide, here's my business idea for you. You're going to invent children's babies strollers, but you're going to call them strollers. And on, and here's how you can combine (laughs) what you're already doing with the stroller idea. Okay, ready? You're going to put the Forte Catholic little um, uh, picture on each of the stroller wheels so that it's going to be your face going around and around and around <laughs> on these strollers. And you, and you have children, so you can put your children in a stroller and walk them around, and people are just going to go nuts for them. They're going to go nuts, and they're going to ask, what are those things called? And you're going to say, that's a stroller. And they're going to say, where can I get one? And you're going to make millions. ForteCatholic.com slash stroller. <laughs> there, are you, are, you, are you hanging up on me now? I mean, it, it's not the worst idea I've ever heard, but it's second. Dang it. What's the worst? <laughs> What's, the worst? What's the worst idea? The, um, I can't tell you. Dang it. I don't know. I'm just I, wanted, I wanted something that was going to be, okay. 
I wanted to hear the worst idea because I wanted to feel better about myself. Now okay. Got- worst idea ever. Are you ready? Yes. Um, be, being an Egyptian uh, during the Passover and seeing all of your neighbors paint their doorways with lamb's blood and just going inside and closing the door. Like you should have done that. <laughs> okay. That's the worst idea. Do you feel better now? Yes. I feel a lot better. I'm going to move forward in my day with a lot of self-confidence and a lot of, a lot of um, confidence in my business sense. And I'm going to stick with ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, if you ever franchise that, you really need to, you really need to hit me up. I'll only take 50%. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. For the idea. Yeah. And this is going to be online live. So, you know, you're, you're going to owe me contractually. Yeah, I didn't sign anything. Well, I'm gonna, I'll get a good lawyer. It's fine. I come from a family of lawyers. Bring it on. Dang it. <laughs> I, I have a friend who's a lawyer. She's a pretty good friend. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really start getting close with that friend. Well, she won't be close after she gets destroyed <laughs> in court at your expense. Okay. Shoot. All right. Well, we're going to end this. It's been fun. <laughs> that's where we're ending i'm going to destroy you okay it's time to be done now this is a very penitential podcast for me um where can people find you taylor how can they connect with you um schrollers.org <laughs> yes uh, they can find me uh in usually in front of my xbox if you want to come over to my house at 187 Mossflower lane in bryan texas <laughs> You can come on over. Uh, no, ForteCatholic.com. F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com. You can find the podcast that you just came on a couple of weeks ago. That was fun. Yeah, that was and fun. Apparently, you didn't hate me as much as I thought you did because you were like, we should hang out again on <laughs> the morning of Good Friday. Uh, <laughs> you did give me a lot of sass. You gave me a lot of sass on your podcast, but it's fine. I'm used to it. I have tough skin. I'm not. I'm a very sensitive person, Taylor. I <laughs> <laughs> I have to never mind. I'm a very sensitive person. <laughs> no, we had a lot of fun on Forte Catholic. I really oh, it was a that. blast. So people can find the show there. Uh, I travel, speak, lead worship. So if you have anybody that like ha- owns a church or something mm. uh, or has any pull there, like I, I can come and, and talk about anything but discernment. Bring Stacy in for that. I'll talk <laughs> about the rest of it. Perfect. Perfect. We got a deal. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll speak at the same conference together sometime. That would be amazing. Well, you speak at all these like hoity-toity fancy conferences. I'm like, hello, how are you? This is, this is Taylor. <laughs> I liked your I liked your Taylor voice. That was good. I, I speak at I speak a lot less than you do actually. Now let's play the humility game. Who speaks at fewer conferences? <laughs> well, that's because okay. So like, rich people don't need to go to work all the time. They you know they'll be like, ah, I'm the CEO of this company. I'll show up once every quarter. And that's what you are. It's like, I'm speaking at all these little things. And you're like, I'm going to speak at the largest Catholic conference and then not have to do anything else small. If I could show you how much money I don't make, I think, uh, I I think we, I think we'd agree that we can, that we can still be friends and, and not play the humility game anymore. Well, if you quit using your business sense on people you just met and used it for yourself, <laughs> you'd be a millionaire. Oh, Taylor, I have so many ideas for myself. It's finding the time. I have a business. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that in future episodes. I am writing a book, though. That's an idea that I have, a, a business idea that I have for myself, slash ministry. Yeah. The biggest way to make money these days, writing books. 
oh yeah, I'm going to make millions. Just you wait. (laughs) (laughs) Go speak at all my fancy conferences. (laughs) <laughs> once a quarter no i uh, i'll i'll be very very fortunate to receive any any invitations to speak anywhere ever um you know i'm a i'm a mom and i'm i'm busy and uh don't have time for as much promotion so you know i'm i just any invitation i get i'm like i just feel super blessed so um but yeah i see you on instagram all the time you're doing your thing you're moving moving hearts and changing lives and um uh, and I did, I loved your video that you said of your talk the other day, and I totally want to steal one of your ideas for a warm up. So if you have not seen Taylor's talks, you should go on YouTube and check them out. I'm actually surprised you watched it, to be honest. And I didn't, I, I thought you were lying again until you said the intro. I was like, okay, yeah, the intro is pretty good. <laughs> 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 yep. Yep. All right. Well, Taylor, it's been, it's been wonderful to, uh, to chat with you today. Thank you for shedding so much light on this very confusing, uh, thorny nebulous topic of discernment. I think it's going to give a lot of people a lot of clarity in their lives and, uh, you know, just, I appreciate everything you do. Oh, thank you. It was great to come on. I'm really am honored to, to come on the show and, and just to, to share some and just have some fun on the most penitential day of the year. This was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, have a blessed, fun Easter and we'll talk soon. Adios. What was your favorite part of the episode? I think mine was that practical tool for discernment about finding out what you really want. Um, That was really cool, but it was a pleasure to speak with Taylor. Please come on over to my website, stacysummerow.com. Drop me a line. uh, Tell me which guests you'd like to see, what questions you have. Uh, Also, you can follow me on Instagram, which is at Stacy (laughs) Summerow. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be back in your headphones soon with another episode. Just know of my prayers for you on this crazy journey of life. And may God bless you. So let's move on. We're going to sing Ave Verum. I'm going to sing. I don't know why I said we. I'm going to sing Ave Verum Corpus. This is not the Mozart version, which I love so much. This is actually an older chant version. And in case you don't know the Latin, this is the translation. Hail, true body, born of the Virgin Mary, truly having suffered, immolated on the cross for man, from whose pierced side flowed water and blood, be unto us a foretaste of glory in the trial of death. O sweet Jesus, O loving Jesus, O Jesus, Son of Mary. Here it is. Ave verum corpus natum de Maria Virgine. Oh,